It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Friday, July 31st, 2020. I'm Aaron Fulton with Raven News. Another Yakutat resident has tested positive for the coronavirus. The person received a positive COVID-19 test result on Wednesday after taking an Abbott rapid test administered by the Yakutat Community Health Center. Because of privacy concerns, the state of Alaska isn't generally releasing demographic information for COVID-19 patients in communities with under 1,000 residents. The small community of around 600 people now has six active cases, according to a press release from Yakutat Public Safety. That includes five resident cases and one non-resident case. The first case was reported last week from a resident who'd recently traveled outside of the community. All individuals who have tested positive have been assigned a state of Alaska caseworker and are required to isolate, according to a press release. In response to the recent uptick in cases, the city and borough of Yakutat canceled the community's 44th annual Fairweather Day public celebration, which was originally scheduled for this weekend. The local holiday usually attracts a crowd, music, food, and activities to the town's Cannon Beach. At last count, the state of Alaska was reporting over 3,500 cumulative coronavirus cases, 2,078 resident cases, and 681 non-resident cases. For more than a decade, the Sitka Police Department has employed a jailer who years ago had been fired over allegations of excessive force while working as a police officer in the community. Alaska's Police Standards Council recently learned about this and raised concerns. But as Coast Alaska's Jacob Resnick reports, a legal loophole prevents the state from taking action. Dale Hansen has worked for the Sitka Police Department twice. The first time didn't end well. He was originally hired in 1976. Three years later, he shot and killed someone. An inquest ruled it justified, but the Sitka Sentinel reported the city paid to settle a lawsuit brought by the man's family. But it wasn't the large payout, about $280,000 in today's money, that cost him his job. Well, in the very early 1980s, um, there were allegations against him that he had allegedly assaulted an inmate in the, in the jail. That's Bob Griffiths, executive director of the Alaska Police Standards Council, which oversees licensing the state's law enforcement officers. There were actually two allegations of assault, separate incidents in 1981. Old newspaper clippings detail one of them. Hansen struck a young man he'd picked up the night before for underage drinking. He was charged with assault, though it's unclear if he was ever prosecuted. But the city terminated him, and the council at that time revoked his police certification. Now, when that happens, it's meant to be the end of the line for a person's law enforcement career in Alaska. But not necessarily in Sitka. And we'll get to why in a minute. The Alaska Police Standards Council was created to help keep troubled officers from bouncing around the state. Former Sitka Police Chief Sheldon Schmidt chaired the commission for five years. Part of the mission was to try to close the loopholes because Alaska had a, a bad reputation for years of uh, bad police officers kind of, our police officers get in trouble would be kind of uh, rotated around the state. But there's some irony here. It was Schmidt who rehired Dale Hansen in 2009. It had been 28 years since Hansen was fired, and Schmidt says he doesn't recall any red flags during the routine background check. I don't think that we would have hired anybody that if we had uncovered a decertification, unless there was uh, some sort of mitigating after uh, action, you know, things that happened later that that uh, somehow mitigated it. I just don't think that that would, would, ha- would have happened. Uh, but apparently it did. 
So how? Here's what we know. Aside from the excessive force complaints in the jail, Hansen had reportedly asked a fellow officer to falsify evidence against another man. This is all documented in his 1983 decertification file, which literally sat in a box of paper records and wasn't checked when he was hired a second time, this time as a jailer. Griffiths says poor record keeping at the time may be partly to blame. Until files were digitized, records were separated by category. Probation officers, jailers, police officers were separated. And until about six years ago when the Police Standards Council purchased and put in place a computerized system, those records were not integrated. Hansen's old police file probably would have remained forgotten, but a series of records requests by USA Today journalists led to the creation of one of the nation's first databases of decertified police officers posted online last year. Dale Hansen's name is among more than 33,000 listed across 44 states. Earlier this month, Coast Alaska put the question to the Police Standards Council. Had this former police officer, fired and stripped of his certificate for assaulting people, been cleared to work in Sitka's jail? Griffiths looked into it and notified the Sitka Police Department of possible concerns. He put the city on notice that Hansen's continued employment as a jail guard could be referred to the Standards Council for possible action. Then on Tuesday, after receiving some updated legal advice, Griffiths reversed himself. The legislature had carved out an exemption for municipal jailers. Sitka has not chosen to adopt or subject themselves to state regulation governing the um, municipal corrections officers in their facility. That's the bottom line. That means the Standards Council, meant to regulate police department personnel in the state, lacks any authority over Sitka's municipal corrections officers. And they, they may just conclude that after this lengthy period of time that it's not something they need to be concerned about. But I don't know. That'll be up to them. Police personnel records, including allegations of abuse, are sealed. So it's nearly impossible to check Hansen's work history since he was rehired in 2009. One high-profile case is known. Hansen was a jailer on duty in 2014 when two Sitka police officers stripped and repeatedly tased a Mount Edgecombe student inside his jail cell. Video was leaked online, leading to community outcry over the teen's treatment. A lawsuit was filed. Eventually, $350,000 was paid to the man's family. Schmidt notes that the six-minute video shows Hansen on the periphery throughout the taser incident. The lawsuit wasn't really directed at him. Uh, it was directed at the officers and the taser, but I don't recall any uh, complaints against him or excessive use of force complaints or really any type of complaints against Dale Hansen. Sitka city officials declined to be interviewed. In a statement, city administrator John Leach says Hansen is on personal leave until August 5th. Messages left with Hansen seeking comment weren't returned. The city administrator added that regardless of whether the state has oversight over Sitka's jail employees, the city is looking into the matter. Reporting in Juno, I'm Jacob Resnick. Students in Ketchikan will go back to school five days a week this September. That's after Ketchikan School Board rejected a back-to-school plan that would have kept schools half full at the most. KRBD's Eric Stone reports. The return to full-time in-person schooling follows months of public pressure on the board to fully reopen school buildings. Um, I'm shocked. That's parent Allie Ginter reacting just after the board's vote to reject Ketchikan's Smart Start plan. I, I mean, I've gone to five meetings now, and we have not seen a huge change in the plan until tonight. 
And I know there's parents that have consistently gone to all of these meetings and I am impressed with our board for finally listening to us. And I appreciate them. In Ketchikan's most recent plan, schools would have operated at 50% capacity in order to maintain distance between students. District officials proposed spreading elementary schoolers between traditional classrooms and so-called annexes. The idea was to lease non-school spaces like churches as essentially extra classroom space. And that would mean elementary schoolers got four days of in-person instruction a week. The board instead voted to use the proposed mitigation plan as a fallback if pandemic conditions worsen in Ketchikan. But with the vote rejecting the plan, school board president Bridget Matson says that extra space may no longer be an option. We won't be able to set this plan up on the go. We won't be able to all of a sudden set up annexes. We won't be able, so we will go to a 50% scenario. A 50% scenario would mean a maximum of two days a week in school for kids at all grade levels. It's not clear what would have to happen for the district to use that backup plan. Those who voted to fully reopen schools cited low coronavirus activity in Ketchikan. Here's board member Paul Robbins Jr. I've been out at social outings where there has been almost no social distancing whatsoever on various occasions in various places. And we continue to not have these outbreaks. Robbins joined Matson and board members Leslie Becker, Diane Gubatayo, and Sonia Scan in the majority in the 5-2 vote. Board members Jordan Tabb and Tom Hewitt voted against opening schools fully. The head of Ketchikan's teachers' union, Gara Soseski, meanwhile, says that even if the district maintains some coronavirus precautions, like temperature checks, face masks, and such, a return to full capacity means social distancing won't be possible, and that means teachers are worried. The members are very concerned for their safety of returning to school, and social distancing was the primary thing that was making teachers feel safe returning into the classroom. She says she's surveying her members to determine how many are comfortable returning to full capacity schools. Districts in Anchorage and Fairbanks, both cities hit hard by the coronavirus, will start school entirely online. Ketchikan's first day of school is September 8th. Reporting in Ketchikan, I'm Eric Stone. Taking a look at the community calendar. Applications for the CARES Act Utility and Moorage Subsidy Programs for Sitka are due today at 4 p.m., those received after the deadline will be considered late and will not be accepted. Online submission is encouraged at caresact at cityofsitka.org, though applications may also be submitted at the utility office at City Hall. Details of eligibility requirements are online at cityofsitka.org. Paper copies are available at City Hall, 100 Lincoln Street, or the Harbor Office, 617 Catlian Street. Call 747-1818 or 747-1859 with questions. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News. This is Morning.